We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Hi again, and welcome into Mel Tucker's Inside Zone, the weekly podcast here at the University of Colorado. I'm voice of the bus, Mark Johnson. Today we've got kind of a treat here. You think back to some of the great offensive lines. In Colorado history, we've got to go back to that 2001, 2002, 2003, right in that area when Coach Gary Barnett had the bus rolling in 01. They nearly played for a national championship. And four of the five guys, Mel, on that offensive line got an opportunity to play professionally. Uh, got a cup of coffee, some of them in the NFL, some had long careers in the NFL. The guy we're talking with had a lengthy career after Trout in the NFL in the CFL. Marwan Hage is joining us, a great offensive lineman here at the University of Colorado. Marwan, welcome. Thanks for joining us on Mel Tucker's Inside Zone. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Marwan, man, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Um, I understand you're, you're, you're in Canada right now. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I'm based out of Toronto nowadays. You, ha- you have got an, an amazing story. Because can you kind of take back and, and recount for CU fans a little bit? Uh, you're, you're from Lebanon originally, but you were recruited out of Canada. Kind of go back and recount that for CU fans and, and how that all happened and how you ended up uh, in Canada and ultimately becoming a Colorado Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a crazy journey. Obviously, I was born and raised in Beirut. 
1981 and uh, in 1990 my family immigrated to Montreal to uh, for a better future and and uh, you know I got started playing football early in Montreal football wasn't a popular sport but you know me and a bunch of guys started playing and uh, got discovered by coach Gary Barnett uh, at the Northwestern camp hmm. back when he was at Northwestern and wow. you know got recruited that route and by the time I was ready to come out. He had moved to Colorado, so they offered me the op- uh, the chance and the opportunity to come to see you, and, and it was probably the best decision of my life. Well, do you remember what it was like the first time you saw Boulder? Uh, actually, my first experience in Boulder was the 1999 Nebraska game. That was my recruiting trip. Wow. Uh, and we had lost by a field goal, and there was a lot of emotions after in the locker room, and and I was just taken away. I mean, growing up in the 90s, watching playing football, Colorado was at the top of its game, too. So I knew a lot about the Buffalo 95, 96. You know, so they were ranked number one in and out around that time. So I was just very lucky and very surprised to be, you know, wanted by the school and very happy to join. I was just, like, so excited that they, they wanted me to play for them. And, and I kind of feel the same way today after playing. <laughs> Well, Marwan, how did you end up in Canada and become a football player, not a hockey player, for goodness sakes? <laughs> how did that happen? Yeah, well, you know what, that's a, that's a different story. You know, when you, when you immigrate to a country and you're going to face a lot of challenges. You know, I didn't speak the language and, and I didn't look the same as other kids. And, the, you know, the neighborhood they put us in was a little rough neighborhood. So I got into a little bit of trouble growing up. I was a fighter. And my older brother at the time, you know, he was just sick of me fighting in school, getting kicked out. And he saw these big guys on a football field hitting and said, well, go get your anger out there. And, <laughs> and that's how I kind of stumbled into football. But I had a great coach, great mentor. He passed away now, Earl de la Perel, who kind of brought me in and showed me the Canadian way and showed me football and, you know, got, kept me outside of trouble using football. So I owe him a lot in life through that. So... That's how it kind of developed, and I took that aggression on the field and a little bit of coaching, a little bit of luck, and before you know it, I'm sitting talking to Coach Vince Crew at my family's table, and we're talking, you know, the University of Colorado. What, what's it like to be on an offensive line that has all professional football guys on it? I mean, that's pretty rare. I mean, yeah. usually you look at an offensive line, they've got, you know, maybe one NFL guy, you know, one – you know, maybe two guys, but you got four or five guys like that. What was that like to play alongside those guys? You know, it was accountability was very high. I was the youngest guy on that line, and uh, we were all great guys. But accountability, we did not want to let the next guy down. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we had some pro bowlers on this line. You know, Andre Giroud was just unreal, but he, you know, we kept him in check because he would jump offside and guys would get on him. <laughs> you know, so, uh, it was just, I'll never forget my first start at Colorado, and, and I played as a true freshman, so I was very scared, and I walked in the huddle, and next to me was Victor Rogers, who was a towering figure, and in two words, he looked at me, and he said, don't mess up, and he didn't use these nice words like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew on the spot that the lights were on, that this is this is not high school anymore. This is like, you know, I cannot let these guys down. And we were very close, very nasty offensive line. If I remember, we, we did not shy away from a fight. 
uh, in practice, uh, we were very close, very strong. We trained together, we ate together, we had wing nights together. Huh. And, uh, but it was definitely led by the, the seniors on that offensive line, kind of took it by the horn. And, you know, I look at Victor Rogers, who was their emotional leader, and, you know, and, and Andre Giroux is just a powerhouse. But he spent a lot of time with me after practice teaching me little dirty tricks, which I've used in my, my whole career. And it was just a great group of guys. And accountability was so high that we did not want to let each other down. And it showed on the field. The Buffaloes led the nation in rushing from the tailback position uh, in 2001 and 2002. And you think of Bobby Purify and Chris Brown. He had great backs back then. And, and Gary Barnett and I've talked about this, Marwan. That there was an, and you're kind of alluding to it. There was an attitude, a, a swagger that you guys had, wasn't there? We're we're going to come in and regardless, you know, Mel uses the the phrase, "We're going to run the ball on our terms." That's the way you guys thought, wasn't it? You're going to run the ball no matter what. We were running the ball no matter who lined up in front of us, no matter what front was in front of us. We just knew that this is what we do, this is who we are. And, and I remember Eric Bieniemy was one of our coaches, and he. He also had an outgoing personality that matched us and just rubbed us up. And, oh. and you know, we were just – nothing was going to stop us. We had four great running backs. You know, anybody, we had trust in them. They, had, they made us look good most of the time. And we just knew. We just, you know, I remember going into Oklahoma and they had put a $100 bet that we wouldn't rush 100 yards. And I think we, we, we won that bet when we ran all over – but it was every yard was earned that day. Hmm. It was a hard time. But we, you know, but this is the kind of pride we had. You know, we, we took pride in being nasty and being strong and and all across. I mean, everybody on that offensive line was a great player. Even the guys behind them were great, which were pushing us to stay on, stay on the first team. Could you kind of tell the audience, you know, just as a player on the offensive line, what does it feel like during a game – when you know you come off the field after the first series and you know you can run the football, everyone on the offense line knows, all the backs know, the coaches know, the whole offense knows we can run the football. What does that – can you describe that feeling that it, it, when you know that it's going to be like that for 60 minutes? Well, you know from the first time you break the huddle that you have well, – we knew we had that team beat by looking at – there was no eye contact from the defensive line. Mm. They were already looking at, you know, if we're lined up where it was a strong and weak position. So we just knew – that was our mantra. And we played some great defensive linemen, right, some great guys. Yep. Uh, but we just knew that, you know, we're going to instill our will from the first drive on you. And however the chips fall, we don't care, but we're going to move that pile. And we, we just kept pushing, and this offensive line kept pounding and pounding and pounding. And we we broke guys' will, I would say. Like, we had a defensive lineman given up. Third quarter, it was done. We knew we can – I mean, we had Nebraska in the first quarter given up. Wow. So we just knew, you know, and we got stronger with momentum and with confidence, and, and our backs were just amazing. I mean, we're lucky you look – Four deep, anybody could be a starter on any other team. Right. And they stayed disciplined. There was no complaining from their end. I'm sure everybody wanted to be a star. You know, I look at Bobby Purify. He would run the long runs, and Chris would come score the short runs, and Chris would get all the hype. But Bobby just ran 45 yards to get us there. But they were all cheering mm-hmm. for each other, and but and that that kind of everything gelled together, and we you know we just. We embodied the, the vision of Coach Barnett and, and what he was trying to do, and we believed in it. You know, for us, it was RTD's return to dominance. That was everything about what we did around that time. Right. 
You think of 2001, Marwan, and, and Colorado should have played for the national championship that year. How disappointed were you guys when you realized that you put together a phenomenal season, you're one of the dominating offensive fronts and rushing teams in the country, and you didn't get a chance then to play for the national championship? Yeah, it was definitely disappointing because, you know, you only get to the dance once or twice in your life, and, and this was our chance, and we were ready, and we felt, but, you know, we can only control what we can at the time. We're still all together, and I remember we're sitting, sitting in Belvoir watching when they announced it, and then we went and get, get in, and definitely disappointing, but it wouldn't take any, anything away from what we accomplished and what we've done on the field together, and that, that to me, I look back now, I'm way removed. That's more important to me than whatever somebody's opinion of us was at that time and however the vote fell. Marwan, uh, being in Canada now and, and from the outside looking in on the Buffs and our football program, what are the, some of the things that you're looking to see from this from this particular football team? You know, I, I scramble every Sunday, Saturday to get on in front of the TV. I have my two boys with me. We watch the Buffs all the time. You know, we're screaming the fight song every time they score. I look at heart. I, I want to see teams that, that play with passion, you know, and they're, they're playing together, no selfishness, and I, and I see that. You know, and then all the games you guys have played, and I see a team that's running to the ball. I see nastiness on, on the play. I see great offensive line. Obviously, I look at them right away, you know, the very strong offensive line. And it's exciting. It's exciting as an alumni to see that the program still flourishing and, and putting performances at a high level. I mean, the Nebraska game, I had tears in my eyes, hmm. right? And, and my kids didn't know if I was happy or sad, but uh, I was just couldn't believe it. And then the fans rushed, and I relived the moment that we had in 2001. And, and you know, it was just amazing. So as an alumni, seeing what you guys are doing out there, it's, it's unbelievable. Just to hear you say that, I, I think it's amazing. Um... Here you are, and you and I just missed each other. You left uh, right before I got here, and so I never got a chance to call your games. But the fact that here you are 15 years later, and you're still talking about singing the fight song <laughs> after a touchdown and what the program means to you, that, that, that means that this place, Boulder, Colorado, touched your heart, didn't it? Well, it, it shaped me. It shaped me in everything I did. You know, and the way I run my business today is shaped by the way – you know, the way I was shaped at Colorado. Everybody knows that my organization is built like a football team. You know, and I always tell everybody, if if I'm in your restaurant, it's not a good sign. Because I remember if Gary Barnett was in our O-line room, it wasn't a good sign. It wasn't a good thing that Coach Barnett was here. <laughs> was. Oh, man. I, I do the same. If I'm in the restaurant, you know, I own six restaurants here in, in Toronto. If I'm in, in the manager's restaurant, it's not a good thing, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, could you tell us a little bit, a little bit about the restaurant business and and how you how you got into it? Yeah, you know, I I played ten years in the CFL, and I could see that you know the end of the line coming. The young guys were coming up, fresh, strong, you know, and I can see that the the end of the line. So I wanted to do something after football, and right, but I, I didn't want to take a step down. You know, I. I I have an education, I have a business degree from Colorado, and I just struggled with the whole, I didn't want to be defined only as a football player, so I, uh, I saved up some money from playing, and I bought into the franchise business. I, I own, uh, right now I own six Tim Hortons franchises in Toronto, in the downtown core. Wow. But I started with two, 
And, you know, I remember sitting with my wife, and I had two more years on my last contract, and I said, listen, if I, if I stop playing football, it has to be a step up in life. I cannot take a step down. I refuse to take a step down. Hmm. And, uh, you know, this opportunity came about, and it was the right time. I was just married with a baby on, on the way. So I just got in the business, and I didn't know much about it. I worked 24-7, and... And it paid off. Now we're growing. We're about to, you know, buy a couple more this year and grow more. And, and we just go to work every day. We approach it similar to football, hmm. right? It's, it's the same approach. I'm up every day around 4.30, 5 o'clock, and I, and I go to work. Well, that's, that's a great story. I, I think that, that's a great testament to what being a football player at the University of Colorado taught you, the kind of the intestinal fortitude and sticking with it and grinding and, and working hard. And you've taken those qualities that you learned here playing for Coach Barnett and this program and now turned that into a successful business career. Yeah, you know, my, my wife's heard me talk about Coach Barnett a lot, and she's never met him. I'm trying to get down to Colorado this year. But, you know, and I've used Coach Barnett's stories that he's taught us. You know, like, I, I, don't, look for, I don't believe in excuses, and – and when I played, I had so many excuses early on. Like, you know, it was never my fault at one point. And yep. I was too young to understand. But, right, I don't believe in excuses. And that came from Coach Gary Barnett. Like, I don't care. Just get it done. Perform. So when I talk to my team, or even me, I hold myself. No excuses. Hmm. Results only. And, and that changes your mantra, right? And I had to – I learned that at Colorado. And it, it kind of goes everywhere I go in life. Like, I don't care. This, there's no excuses. We're going to get it done. We'll worry about it later. We're just going to get results right away. And that, that was our mantra at Colorado. We had the whole, I don't care. Like, we don't care what's happening outside. We're just going to win. We All we care about is this Saturday, this team, and winning this team. So the same, I, I mean, I, I still use the same values that I learned there. Well, I know you. We want to get you back here um, as soon as you can. You, you're all. I want you to know that you're always welcome here. You don't even got to call. You just show up and come watch us practice and come visit with our team, visit with our coaches. You, uh, we got an open door policy here for you. I just want to make sure you know that. Well, I appreciate that, coach. It means a lot to us. You know, being away and being in Canada, away from the program. I wish I can just grab my car and go to Boulder. But, uh, <laughs> I'll definitely try to come down this year, bring my kids. And, you know, have them get into the tradition and the culture right away. Well, Marlon, I tell you, because you know, we got Coach Barnett in the broadcast booth with me, so I've got to deal with that no-excuses thing with him every single Saturday, which is never fun, by the way. But before we let you go, you got to have a great Gary Barnett story for us here, don't you? Well, uh, you know, I was very afraid of Coach Barnett. <laughs> <laughs> I, I played, I was, you know, he started me as a true freshman, which took, it took a lot from him. You know, and I remember one time, I'll, I'll just tell you a story that kind of comes and. We had a play 94 zone, and I was on the backside guard trying to block the one tech, and I could not, for some reason, I kept messing up in practice. And, uh, you know, Coach Barnett runs in, stops the whole practice, and yells, like, who keeps messing up? And the whole team spread, and I was just standing in the middle. Everybody left me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, like, he just looked at me, and he's like, you don't have it in you to run this play. And I was like, oh, my God, I just got called out by the head coach. <laughs> I went back in the huddle, and I'm like, I put my head down. I'm like, man, I can never mess up this play again. I don't care what it is. So the next play, he, we kept running it until I got it right. And, uh, but, you know, he, he got the best of me, man. He, he made me a better man. And, 
and a better football player for sure. So, but I, my relationship, I was 17 years old, 18 years old. I was scared from this man. This man was like bigger than life personality for me, but he was amazing. Well, I've gotten to know Coach Barnett since I've been here, and I've played golf with him. He's He's been great to me. He's uh, the belt, the bus for life, a uh, golf outing. I've attended that. He, Coach Barnett's always at practice. And uh, I tell you, what a great <laughs> what a great man, what a great coach. He knows so much. And people ask me, they say, you know, does Coach Barnett give you any advice? And I say, only when I ask. <laughs> but when I do ask, he, he's got something to say. <laughs> He's, he's uh, you know, he, for a young man at the time for us, you know, we look at the head coach. I'm sure your players are looking at you, coach, and you're going to shake their lives. Like, I'm, I'm not young. I'm 38 years old today, and I can easily say my, Coach Gary Barnett shaped my life, made me a better man. And we're not talking made me a better football player here. I mean, X is an old, that was the online coach and all this stuff, the training and the lifting. But as a man and as a businessman today, I look back at, at Coach Barnett and what he taught me personally, and and we won at Colorado, so what he was teaching was coming out every Saturday, and like we can see that hey, what this guy is telling us it's working. So I, I owe a lot to uh, to Coach Barnett and the program and the school. I mean, I, I was very lucky to, to have the opportunity to play there. Well, he's he's a great one to work with, and uh, every Saturday he looks at me and says, "Fess it and fix it, Marco." So uh, I know that no excuses attitude you're talking about. Hey, Marwan, it's great catching up with you. Please let us know when you're coming to town. We, we'd love to get you involved with the coach, and we'll bring you up here with in the broadcast booth with Gary. But congratulations on all the success with the restaurants up in Canada, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you down the road. I appreciate. It. Thank you so much for having me, guys. All right, thanks, Marwan. Yeah, there he is. That's uh, Marwan Hage, great offensive lineman for the Colorado Buffaloes. But we talk about that. Four of those five guys got a shot to play professionally. That's there's a reason that team was running the football like yeah, it. Like that's it extraordinary. Good players make you a great coach. And no, no doubt about that. Obviously, there was some great ones on that offensive line. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, 01 and 02, the Buffaloes led the nation in rushing from the tailback position. And uh, Marwan Hage was a great part. He was a young player at that point in time. But uh, one of the great Buffaloes, as uh, we talk to him here on Mel Tucker's Inside Zone. For the head coach, I'm voice of the bus, Mark Johnson. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.